What I want to share with you this morning, we're going to just sort of cruise down the runway for a little while. All right. Then we're going to start to lift off. And then halfway through the message, we're going to hit some severe turbulence. So I'm just warning you, if you came for a soft message this morning, you probably made a mistake. (laughs) All right. Because there's something I want to share on my heart that I feel is just so critical for the church in this hour in which we live. So we'll start off uh, just cruising down the runway. And you know, society has promoted a huge focus on physical fitness. And as a result of that, most of us exercise, don't we? <laughs> don't we? Yes, we do. If we don't, we soon will. But you know, the Bible has a far greater emphasis on relationship fitness. Far more. We've got the vision of physical fitness. I'm not quite sure we've captured relationship fitness. There's a verse of scripture that backs this up for you is in uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. Bodily exercises profits a little, so it's good, you need to do it. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. So it's been a prophetic word on my heart probably for three or four months now. And uh, that is that this year, 2023, God wants to work relationship miracles. If you need a miracle in some relationship that you've got, Hey, this year, we're going to go after this. But not only that, I believe God wants to give you some wonderful relationships because we all need friends. So I think God wants to do those two things. Now, I understand that relationship miracles is a big call for some of you because the pain is so deep. The hurt is so great that when you even hear the word relationship miracle, you almost start to... mm, Something reacts within you thinking, oh man, I'm not sure I want to go down that track. But I believe it's important that we we do look into this and allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart this morning. You know, the goal I want want to give you this year is to make real progress in the area of your relationships. And uh, I think if we can do that, we're on on the right pathway moving forward. But in terms of Friendships, you know, it's something we all want and we all need. I remember years ago, I, I was really shocked when I was talking to a couple in our church. They're, they're not here in this church, they've shifted out of town. This would be a couple of decades ago. And they were one of the most attractive couples in the church. They were well presented, they were, they were gifted, um, they, were, they were financially doing well. I, I mean, just, they just had everything about them. And... Uh, I remember just getting an absolute amazement when they said, yes, but we are lonely. And I thought like, what? Like, you, you, think, you know, we look at everyone else and think they're just surrounded by friends. No friends, <laughs> they are not. <laughs> they are not. Loneliness is an epidemic. It's, it's isolation is an epidemic in society and it's all a part of this whole thing of looking at relationships that I want to do today. Um, you know, the two greatest commandments are to do with relationships. Yeah, it's true. Relationship with God, 
Relationship with people. Life's about relationships. If you get this right, life is going to do a lot better for you uh, in, in the long term. So it's something we, it's, it's a foundation we want to establish. But renowned counselor Gary Smalley, he said this, we are hardwired for relationships. It's in our DNA. Even when they are difficult, we need relationships. <laughs> Have you ever heard a person say, well, I just can't live without him. <laughs> he's a pain and he's a nuisance and I don't like, but I can't. Why? Because we are hardwired for relationships. In fact, we are into relationships almost from the time we're born. You have a relationship with your mother, right? Then with your brothers and then your sisters, or brothers and sisters, then with uh, uh, other relatives that you might have. Then you have relationships at school. Then you have relationship, you know, maybe you get married eventually. You have work relationships, you have street relationships. I mean, they're everywhere, they're all around us. So you have no option whether you are gonna be in relationships or not. There is no option. You, you've got to be in them. That's the way life works. The only option you have is how you deal with the relationships. Are you going to handle them in a healthy way? Are you going to have relationship fitness, as it were? You can't avoid it, but you can learn how to do it better and better. And that's what we need to do in our lives. As I said, loneliness is a, they say loneliness and isolation actually is a major health issue. Because research has told us this, that the more socially connected people are, they live longer, have less stress, and even less depression overall. So being well connected in church with other believers is so good for your emotional health and well-being, plus your physical health as well. So I want to encourage us all, you know, to, to be socially connected within the church. It's something that we need. We may think we can do without it, but we actually do need it. And one of the best places you can do that, of course, is to be in a part of a small group. 85 years, listen to this. <laughs> Looked into the, after 85 years of research, they started this research, they kept it going beyond the generation to different people. After 85 years of research, they concluded this, strong relationships are what make for a happy life. Wow. Relationships is huge. It's a, a major topic. So this year, this is my call, or God's call, I believe, on us, is number one, do an audit of your relationship world. Do an audit. How is it? What is it like? Have you ever thought about it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it great? Is it terrible? Do an audit. <laughs> Because once you do an audit, you know what you can deal with and what you can start to address in areas of your life. So once you've done your audit, then I want to encourage us all, find time to invest in relationships. You know, I've always, when I preach around places, to leaders especially, I always say to them, develop leadership, develop relationships of strength. You know, relationships of strength are so important because there'll be strength when you need it. <laughs> you know, you can have relationships, but some of them are not of strength. And so when you're in a crisis and you lean on them, you both topple over together because it's not a relationship of strength. You want some strength around. How many of you would like some strength around you? I mean, I sure would. So when the chips are down and the battle's raging, I've got people that are gonna stand with me. In fact, Jody preached this amazing message. I listened to it about um, <clears throat> uh, decision collision. All right, and one of the things she talked about was the four men that brought the lame man and got him to Jesus down through the roof, and then as a result of that, the man got healed. Then she said, uh, 
Who are your four friends? Who are your four friends? Have you got four friends? <laughs> if you haven't got them, can I tell you, you're going to need them. The day's coming where you will need these friends around you. And you know, it was, she said it wasn't his faith that got him healed, it was their faith. Yeah. So sometimes you need the faith of those people around you. Sometimes we're struggling and thinking, well, I haven't got enough faith for this, I haven't. Hey, I often say to people, borrow mine, I've got enough for both of us. You need people around you who can say to you, borrow my faith, I've got enough for both of us. I can get you through this crisis. I can get you through this turmoil. I can get you through to a breakthrough. I can see your healing. I can see your relationships come, come through. You know, you join your faith together. You know, when two agree is touching anything, it shall be done. Alone, we can't get very far. But when we're joined with others, something mighty can happen. It's all about relationships. That's what church is about. It's all about having our relationships in order. So Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Just ask the person next to you, are you very friendly? (laughs) Now ask them, now ask them, did you greet at least four people this morning? I hope, you, I hope you all said yes. All right. You've got to be friendly. You know, a small chat is important. You know, just a, a greeting and a hello and how are you doing and all that sort of stuff. And I, it's, I think we minimize that. Do you know if you are warm and friendly to someone and smile at them, they're going to like you just that little bit more. It's true. You know, when I am in a restaurant, I'm, I'm always good to the waiter or waitress. And when I say, hi, how are you? I try and get their name. Their service just goes up another level. Try it. See what happens. It's, it's important. Just these little things are important. So, however, when it comes to relationships, we're going to start, you know, starting to lift off a little bit now. Um, the closer you get to people, the more faults you see. Just saying. You know, you get close up, you get closer, it's like a magnifying glass. You know, and you see all the flaws and the faults and all the things you don't like. And then you look at that other person over there and you think, man, they're amazing. Until you get close. (laughs) Then you see what they're like. Anyone who's married better listen up. I know what I'm talking about. All right, just got to remember that. So your greatest potential for hurt is from those closest to you because you've opened your heart to them and you see the faults and you see the flaws and you see the weaknesses in them and, and uh, we just got to learn to understand some of these principles um, in, uh, in, in relationships that we get. So have a relationship plan, like a fitness plan. By the way, how many of you have an idea about your fitness or you work on fitness a bit. Yeah, we've got a problem in this place. I was going to say some things there, but I've just restrained myself by the power of the Holy Spirit. But um, uh, the thought is if you work hard at relationships, they will flourish. If you ignore them or neglect them, they will deteriorate. Don't always wait for the other person to start the relationship will contact you. You initiate it. 
You get on with it. You make the phone call and do whatever, do whatever you need to do. Uh, Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Mm. Are you careful? Can you ask the person next to you, are you careful? Are you careful? Or do you just link up with anybody who likes you? Oh, they like me, they like me. Yeah, but they're going to take you down the drain. They're going to take you in the wrong direction. When you cho- you've heard this before. When you choose your friends, you choose your destiny. Just think about your friends right now. It'll give you some idea of your destiny, of where you're heading. <laughs> Scary, eh? Hey? Scary. It's better to be alone than in bad company. Ooh. It's going nice and quiet here now. It's what I like. It's going to get more quiet yet because I'm just warming up. So God designed us, uh, mankind, to need other people. So this is how it works. God has divine connections for you. Connections that feed into your destiny. Connections that feed into the future that God has for you. And Satan will, find your, will fight your divine connections like crazy. Because he knows that that person's going to take you to where you need to get to. So he's got to fight that. And a lot of people lo- uh, walk away from divine connections because they see something in that person they don't like. Don't do that, folks. You need that person in your life. They're sent by God. You know, one of the best examples, I think, in Scripture of uh, the struggle with divine connections, I think, is Jonathan. Jonathan was meant to stand alongside David uh, and rule in the kingdom there. But Jonathan was so connected to his disobedient father, they could never let that connection go. And finally, he dies with his father on the mountains of Gilboa, and he never fulfilled his calling and destiny because he held on to a flesh connection. He held on to a wrong connection. He couldn't let go a connection that was going to take him in the wrong direction and away from the destiny and the call of God that is upon his life. So guard your divine connections. Find out who they are. Understand what it's all about. And even if they're not exactly the person you love with the bottom of your heart, they're the person you need in your life. And they will get you to where God wants you to get, wants to get you. Divine connections is such an important principle that you and I need to understand. So Christianity is all about being right connect, rightly connected in relationships. So, you know, some of us are physically fit. I've been talking about that a bit. And we can run a half a marathon and all the rest of it. And, and that's great. And, uh, you know, some go to the gym and got massive biceps. That's a beautiful thing. But I want to know about people who have got strong relationship biceps. You've developed your relationship world that people think, man, this person, they are mint at having good relationships. So if you've got a whatever, even if you haven't got a physical fitness uh, uh, plan, have one, but develop it and develop this whole thing of your relationship world as well and develop some biceps in that area so that you are strong in this situation. You see, relationship breakdown is a massive social issue. And we need to preach on it a whole lot more than we are preaching on it right now. Because I believe unforgiveness is an epidemic in the world, but it's also an epidemic in the church. Did you hear me? An epidemic in the church. There is too much broken relationships and and unforgiveness, resentment and grudges and all the rest of it, and it's actually in the church. And what happens is it makes the church weak because where there is unity, God commands a blessing. So if we got full of broken relationships, I'm not saying everyone's got it, but there are too many, probably not in your campus, 
but in these other churches out there, hopefully not here, but it's, it's an issue that I think that we need to address far, far more than we actually do because we need that unity. What I've noticed is this, people are easily offended. Easily offended. You know why they're easily offended? Because it feels so good. They did this to me. I'm offended and almost proud of it. You know, righteous indignation. <laughs> we need to repent of our right to be offended. Tell the person next to you, repent right now. Come on. It's, it's a real, it's subtle, isn't it? The enemy is so clever. He just makes it feel so right to be offended. But offense only cripples us, not the other person. Psalm 190 and 165. <clears throat> Great peace, listen to this, have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. Wow. Woo! Wow. Did you get that one? You're close enough to God, you won't get offended. So sometimes when you get offended, you're just gonna check inside a little bit. Now I understand we get offended, I think, understand we get hurt, so I know it's painful, I understand all of that, but there's a bigger picture here that God wants us to address and to look at and to deal with in our lives. It's really important, So, because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we know the story, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, heat up seven times stronger, you know, so you can talk about they're going through pain, hurt, trauma, whatever you like to call it. But when they came out, because Jesus was with them, there was no smell of smoke. When Jesus is with us, doesn't matter how painful the situation we go through. Now, it may take a process, it may take time to get there, but we can come out with no smell of smoke. So there's no, there's no resentment there, there's no bitterness there, there's no unforgiveness because Jesus is with us. So I, I think when I say they came out with no smell of smoke, I say to people, um, the motto we need to have is no smoking. Can you just tell the person next to you, no smoking please? So, campuses, Church Unlimited is a no smoking zone. You got that? No smoking. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could set up a model church for our nation where there's no smoking, where all our relationships are in order, that there is no bitterness, unforgiveness, and offense, and grudge, and all the rest of it, but that we love one another as actually Jesus recommended we do so. Love one another, the second greatest commandment. See, we've, we've let this go. We've let this relationship break down go. And it's kind of sort of thought, like, well, it actually doesn't matter that much. Friends, it matters a whole lot. So I want a no smoking church. No smell of smoke. And God, I believe with the power of the Holy Spirit, God's help, we can do it. It may seem impossible, but I believe with God's help, it really is very, very possible. You see, I read this statement as well, because I've researched this a bit. It says, people can't stay happy because they get offended. You might want to write that down somewhere, because you're going to need it. Hard to stay happy. See, Satan 
In fact, the word Satan, if I can remember correctly, one of the meanings of his word means to separate. He's a separator. So one of his missions in life is to separate us from other people. It's just, that's his plan, that's his strategy, that's what he's aiming to do all the time. And the major way he does that, or a big way he does that, is through some sort of offence. So he just divides people uh, through offences that take place in our lives. And, um, and, you know, some people end up deeply, you know, you, you come across some people, they're really bitter and they're full of unforgiveness and all that. How do you, th- you think, how did they get there? I'll tell you how. One little offence at a time. It's just a little offence. And you let that rest in your heart. Then another offence comes, another offence comes. Because, you know, because the devil's smart. He doesn't bang you with some massive thing because he knows you think that's the devil, you're resistant. So he just comes with little things. Things that are not massive, but, you know, but, but they get into our hearts and if we don't deal with them, uh, they grow bigger and bigger and bigger and unresolved offences, we end up with all this kind of stuff. And it's very true in marriage as well, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in for marriage. It's the little offences that if you let them grow, <laughs> it's going to be like a, you know, ultimately. Someone, one marriage broke up, one of the famous marriages, I can't remember, was it Elizabeth Taylor, one of them, because her husband didn't replace the toilet paper. Divorce. <laughs> but it wasn't the toilet paper, it was all these little other offences that built up over the years. So start dealing with them, start getting them sorted out so that you don't have to worry about it into the future. Do you know, isn't it sad, eh, people who are so close to each other last year can't stand each other now? I hope that's not true for you of anybody in your life. You know, don't, don't let that, those divisions come through. So you all know the scripture is Luke 17, verse one. He said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. You know, I've, I've preached that, haven't I, a number of times. It's impossible, you will get offended. So just tell the person next to you right now, you will get offended. Yeah. And then say, get ready. Come on, get ready. Come on, get ready. Hey, well, does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Because you know what happens? We get offended. We're ah, oh, what has happened? How could this? Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. It's in there. You know, forewarned is forearmed. You know, if you know ahead it's going to happen, when it happens, you're going to think, but there you go. I must be a good Christian. It's got God said it's going to happen to me. And it's now happened. Thank you, Jesus. Not everyone's smiling at me at this point, but I'm still going to keep going. Are we all right, by the way? Is this helpful? Shall I keep going? No. <laughs> the good news is this. It's on God's heart to work relationship miracles. You may think it's impossible. You may think the pain is too deep. You may think, I cannot forgive. Yes, you can. By God's power, by God's spirit, by God's anointing. See, forgiveness and all this is not for the other person. They don't even care what they did to you. It's for you. See, unforgiveness, bitterness, it traps us in the past. Traps us, we're trapped. We're just stuck in history. Forgiveness releases us into the great future God has got for us. So it's for our own good, not for someone else's good. I read of this lady that heard a message on this and went and talked to the pastor, and the pastor said, you need to forgive your father. So she thought, okay, I need to do this. She rang her father up and said, look, I forgive you. And then she asked the father to forgive her 
because she held unforgiveness towards her father. So they sorted all that out. And two miracles happened. Listen to this. Number one, the relationship was healed, which is a phenomenal miracle in itself. But secondly, this is what she said. She said for 15 years, she had a non-stop migraine headache 24 hours a day. After sorting out this relationship, she woke up the next day with no migraine. Completely healed by the power of God. I've read many stories where unforgiveness and sickness are connected. And when we deal with the unforgiveness, God can step in and heal, heal us. It's not every time, it's not that case every time, but I know it's true in many, many situations. So I believe that demonstrating forgiveness is one of the most powerful messages that the church needs to demonstrate to the world. The world knows nothing about forgiveness. It's full of hatreds. This is wars and all the stuff that's going out there. It's a lot of it's to do with bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and hatred and all the rest of it. And the church, Christians alone, understand forgiveness because we have been forgiven so much. We are on a destiny, a pathway to hell, to suffer and torment forever. And Jesus came, He shed His blood and He rescued us. And He said, you are forgiven. I don't care what you've done, every sin you've committed, you are forgiven. You think, God, I can't believe it. He said, no, you're forgiven just as if you had never sinned. Friends, we know forgiveness. If it wasn't for the forgiveness of Jesus, we'd be dead and buried. We'd be on the, on the wrong pathway, going in the wrong direction. Our lives would be a mess. But Jesus went to the cross and He said, I forgive you. I've washed you in my blood. You are forgiven. And friends, if we've been forgiven so much, Surely we can forgive others. The ultimate forgiveness has come in our direction. And so now we can forgive other people and demonstrate to the world what forgiveness is like and how we can live in forgiveness. Imagine if the whole world saw this in the church. Wow, what a testimony that would be. Do you know, before I got saved, I don't really care that much about broken relationships. But once I got saved, God convicted me. <laughs> and some of you heard the story. One person I really, we, during our hockey days, <laughs> the amazing thing is we were on the same team. <laughs> we hated each other. And, uh, but once I got saved, God convicted me. I remember going around to this place, one of the hardest things I ever did, you know, because, you know, I was so anti him. And knocked on his door and said, oh, look, I've become a Christian. And uh, hey, look, I want to apologize for my behavior, the things I said. And I actually said, will you forgive me? Wow. And he did, which was an amazing thing. But I reckon way back there in the early days of my Christian, I established a foundation in my life that I was going to put relationships right. Even as hard as it was to do it. Many of you know how when I was in my previous church, at one day God convicted me and I had to go to three pastors. Uh, one was overseas and ask all of them for forgiveness. And uh, so I've done this in my life, and it wasn't. It was after I uh, uh, sorted those relationships out. It was only weeks or months later God opened the door to Church Unlimited. And I sometimes wonder if I'd not put my relationships in order, would God have continued to open, or would God have opened the door for me today? And would I be doing what I'm doing today? I don't know the answer to that question, but I surely know that getting these relationships right and in order is such an important thing. I'm gonna give you a verse, of, before I give you a verse of scripture, uh, somebody, I heard this uh, a little girl said to her mummy, you know, because we're talking about relationships, he said, she said, I'm confused. Uh, you said we're made in God's image. 
Dad says, we came from monkeys. Her mother said, honey, I was just telling you about our side of the family. That's what some of you think when you're married to someone, you think, I think they did come from a monkey. (laughs) Moving on. I'm going to wrap this up, but just the last few things I want to say right now is this. I'm just going to read this and you can interpret it for yourself. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, aren't you carnal and behaving like mere men? When our relationships are not in order, we're still babes in Christ, according to the Scripture. So let me just give you two unhealthy ways of dealing with conflict. Number one is you bury it. You just don't deal with it. You just leave the bitterness, you just bury it inside. It's called rubbish bagging. The problem is that it rots inside of you and eventually it, it seeps out in bitterness and unforgiveness and all these terrible um, emotions that we have. So we can't bury it. One of the best things we can ever do, we need to get it out. Firstly, go to God and express your heart. Tell him exactly how you feel. He can handle it, by the way. And so don't bury this thing. That's not the right way to do it. And the second thing is, is don't erupt. <laughs> you know, just let rip, you know, and just, you know, just you walk into that person or tell that person, you just, you just let them have it. You give them a piece of your mind. In fact, you give them all of your mind. And you just erupt. But you know, what's, what happens when a bomb goes off in war? There's shrapnel everywhere, main bodies, dead bodies, destroyed homes. There's absolute damage everywhere. So when you erupt, it's like you let off this bomb, bang, and the damage done is enormous. The problem is when God convicts you to go and sort that relationship out, you have got a job on your hands. So don't bury it and don't erupt. The right way to go about it is Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Even if it's not successful, at least you've done everything you can to put the situation in order. So the biblical way to deal with conflict, in most cases, if you both know about it, (laughs) is face to face. (laughs) Don't go to people you don't know anything about or don't know anything about what's going on. Sometimes you just gotta have wisdom of how you go about that. As I close, this is my final thought, is this. Our most important relationship of all, and the key to all other relationships, is our relationship with God. The better our relationship with God, love God, the more we are able to love people. So if we get that one in order, it's going to be much easier to get the other situation in order as well. Do you know, um, as Adrian and I have both got closer to God, we've got closer to one another. Is that right? My wife's nodding. She's not going, I was afraid she might do that. She's going, "Mm." that is true. (laughs) And so, you know, We've been married a few decades now, and, uh, and the truth is, as we've got closer to God, our marriage has never been better. It's absolutely awesome. And so, yeah, that's worth it, Kate. <laughs> Mainly because she's so nice and she can put up with me. But anyway, uh, it's, it, it is awesome. And um, so your marriage, for those of you who are married, and those of you who will be married, but for those of you who are married, Guess what? Your marriage 
can get much, much better. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. It's a good word, isn't it? Your marriage, with God's help, can get much, much better. So the prophetic word for this year, as the musicians would like to come and join me, please, singers, is relationship miracles. I want to spend the next few minutes that we've got left in this service, we're going to believe God to work relationship miracles in your life, in my life, in our church. We're going to pray and believe that we'll be a no-smoking church where we really have a high priority on our relationships being in order. And, uh, you know, and that also that God is going to bless you with some wonderful relationships, some wonderful friendships, which make for a much better life. You'll find life much more enjoyable uh, when you deal, when you work on these two things. So let's remember the, first, the two main commandments, the two greatest commandments. Number one, they're both relationships. Love God, okay, and love others as you love yourself, love people, love God, love people, and you get those two in order, you have a foundation for God to wonderfully enrich and bless your life. In Jesus' Name, Amen.